You are listening to the weekly podcast from Journey Christian Church. For more information about Journey, please check out our website at journeychristian.com. We are a community of fully devoted disciples of Jesus who reach out to love our neighbors, serve the hurting, and develop leaders for ministry. We are in this series called Saved by the Bell. And the idea of this series is we are looking at different high school subjects taught through the lens of the Bible. And as you saw, we've been going through different weeks. Today is homecoming week. Now, I don't know what you think about when you look back at homecoming in high school. Some of us were like, man, what was I thinking when it came to fashion? Can I get an amen? Amen. And some of us, we were like, man, I think I peaked at homecoming. You know what I'm saying? Join the club, you know? So either way, I'm glad you're here and we're gonna have a good time today. And I thought I can't talk about homecoming without sharing a little bit of my homecoming life in high school. And so during homecoming week, there's a different uh, theme each week, typically in high schools called Spirit Week. And so here's one of the pictures of homecoming for Spirit Week. This is myself right here. Um, That is not my real hair, although it could be easy to get confused. And this is uh, my buddy, Tim Murphy, who is uh, watching right now. I want to give a shout out, Tim Murphy. Uh, Love you, my friend. And so this, I went to Edgewater High School. Go Eagles. Go Eagles. Yep. Lake County Online, it's like going crazy here. Everybody's going nuts. So um, not true. Just like four people. Okay. It's awesome. So I was feeling nostalgic. I opened up the yearbook, found this, and and I I started looking through it a little bit. And I saw a note from, this is a real note. And I knew if I just said it, you wouldn't believe me. This is from one of my coaches in high school that he wrote in my yearbook. Dustin, to one of the best short, weak, and slow guys I know, (laughs) keep it up. I don't know what would happen if you did that today, but back then I loved it. That was awesome. It's like, coach, why aren't I playing? Did you not read your yearbook? Like I already told you why you're not playing, okay? Slow, short, and weak. What else do you want? <laughs> hey, so earlier in the year, we had, uh, we had someone that was inviting their friend to church, a little bit like today. And they were inviting their friend to church, said, you got to come to church. And this young uh, woman, she was in her 20s. She said, no, I can't. I can't go to church. She just felt like her past and just her life was too much of a wreck. She I can't go to church. Like, I would never be accepted at church. She said, no, you, you need to come to church. I said, I promise you'll like it. She said, no. She said, literally, if I go to church, I'm so messed up, the church would literally burn down. <laughs> Some of you, you may have felt that. You feel that right now. She ended up coming earlier this year for the first time, and she came to our Popka campus. She sat kid you not, true story. I start off my message. Her first Sunday here, the moment I begin my message, the fire alarm starts going off. (laughs) Can you imagine? She's scarred for life. She's like, I told you. And here's what I want you to know if you're a guest with us. If the church would burn down because of your sin, it would have burned down a long time ago because of ours. Okay, this is not a place where we're going to pretend like we're better than anybody. We are, we're all jacked up, messed up people, but we're all equal at the foot of the cross. Amen, church? Amen. Before I dive into today's message, I want to share a story from Civil War. And uh, it was a cold night one night. And this uh, one gentleman, he, 
He needs some uh, prayer. So he goes and visits a famous pastor, a pastor by the name of Henry Ward Beecher. And so he knocks on the door and the pastor's wife answers the door and she just kind of cracks it to peek out the door to see who it is. And it was so cold that head to toe, he was covered and a scarf was around his head. You couldn't tell who it was. And the gentleman said, I would like to see the preacher. And the wife said, okay, what's your name? So I'd rather not give you my name. I just would like to see the preacher. She said, you don't share your name. You're not getting in. So she shut the door on him, went upstairs, kept doing her chores that night. And, and then the pastor came and said, well, who was that at the door? She said, I don't know. I didn't let them in. They wouldn't give me their name. Seemed a little sketchy. Preacher immediately goes downstairs, opens the doors, welcomes the man. The man said he came, he was in a crisis and just needed prayer. And as he was warming up, he took the scarf off and they realized it was the president of the United States, Abraham Lincoln. Here's my prayer for you today. Don't, don't slam the door on Jesus just because you don't recognize him. Don't, don't slam the door on God. And here's how... So many of us don't recognize them. We judge God based on God's people. And I know that makes sense, but it's so flawed. If you judge God based on me and who I am, you're gonna get such a messed up picture of who God is. I don't want to uh, portray God. I want you to look up there. So what we're gonna do today is we're just gonna give you the clearest picture of Jesus we can. And I I wanna forgive uh, all of us that may have hurt you that may have misrepresented who God is. We do our best, what we're sinners saved by the grace like anybody else. So I just wanna get to the heart of who is Jesus? What does the heartbeat of Jesus look like? And that's where we're gonna go. We're gonna talk about my favorite story in the Bible and it's found in Luke chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible, there is a Bible in the seat back in front of you, Lake County, there's a Bible underneath your seat at home. There's a Bible just behind you to your right. We put that there so you could go. I'm just kidding, I don't know where. That'd be a little freaky. If you have one of the Bibles we're using, it's page 898. Uh, It's okay, we're gonna have it on the screen as well. But if you don't have a Bible, take that Bible. It's our gift from us to you. You don't have to like put it in your pants or or sneak it out. It's free, take it. We want you to have it. Um, So before we get into this story, we wanna answer the question, why is Jesus even sharing this story? And And he unpacks that in Luke 15, verse one and two. Says this, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus, right off the top, he says, really, there's two categories of people. There are sinners and there are all kinds of sin. And what they have in common is humility. Like they might have sin, but they're humble enough to confess, to admit like, hey, they're messed up. Then over here, you have the religious leaders and what they have in common is arrogance. They think they're better than other people. They, they're, they're mocking other people. And they even say, Jesus eats with sinners. So here's pop quiz. We're in the school. Who did Jesus come for? Let's try that again. Everybody online, Lake County, pop. Who did Jesus come for? Sinners. sinners. Jesus came for sinners. So I got good news for you. If you don't fall in the arrogant religious leader type and you're like, but you don't understand. I, I fall in that first category. That's who Jesus came for. That's who he came for. He says it right there in scripture. So let's keep going. He goes on to share the story, Luke 15, 11 and 12. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. How many sons? The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So the dad's alive and he says, hey, I want my inheritance early. He's saying, listen, I wish you were dead to me. I just want what you have to offer. I don't want you. I want your stuff, not the relationship. 
Sometimes we do that with Jesus. I want your blessings, but I don't want you. I want your favor, but not, I want your heaven, but not your sacrifice. And so he says, hey, I want your inheritance early. And I don't know about you, but this sounds like a lot of us when we were 18 years old. We were, we were in this camp of arrogance. Like, man, I, I don't need my parents. I, I have everything I need. What more do I need? I got $125. I'm ready to go tackle the world. Let's go. And your parents are like, what are you going to do for insurance? Man, I don't even know what insurance is. I'm ready to go. Let's go. Right? Isn't that kind of how we were at 18, maybe 30, maybe today? Like we have this arrogance that we could do it. And here's the, here's the deal with Christianity. In real life, the, the, the goal is to grow in independence. That's kind of a, a goal that we would grow in independence. But with Christianity, it's to grow in dependence, not independence. But the mark of a mature believer is that I know that I am dependent. I need God. I need him. I can't even breathe without his permission. It's not that I move towards independence away from God. I move towards dependence and my need for God. Let's keep going. Verse 13, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. So one of the things I love about Jesus is he throws these subtle things in Scripture. Where every mom thinks the youngest son is perfect, Jesus don't even think that. Jesus is like, listen, the youngest son was a wild living one. Can I get an amen, all the older siblings, middle child people in the house? Yeah. Some of y'all are texting your mom this right now. Yes, you could do that. The younger son, he got everything he had. He took off for a distant country there. He squandered his wealth and wild living. He just took off to Las Vegas. He just took off to Sin City. I don't know what the Las Vegas is at that time. He, he just, whatever wild living would be 2,000 years ago, that's what he was doing. And listen, you don't have to have wild living to still be a prodigal son. Like it's not only, hey, Las Vegas. There's, you're able to sin anywhere else in the world. Some of you, that is your story. Sex, drugs, rock and roll, either in the past or the current reality. But that wasn't my story. I didn't have wild living. I just lived on an island. Maybe some of you lived on an island like I used to live. And the island is, everything was about I. I, I. I wake up when I want. I do what I want. I treat people how I want. I use people how I want. Everything was about me. I didn't do the sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I just worshiped me. I, I was the Lord of my life. So maybe you're thinking, man, you're not into wild living, but every day everything's about you. You live on I land. It's the opposite of Christianity. We don't live for us. We live for him. And whichever wild living or island you're on, it will eventually disappoint you, as we'll soon find out. You see, sin always overpromises and underdelivers. Someone once said, sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. Sadly, all of us can agree to that on some level or another. We've all done things in our past that we're not proud of. And for those of us that high school's in the rearview mirror, a lot of poor decisions were made in high school, right? Can we just thank God for all of us older folk that we didn't have social media back then? Like, like I wouldn't be able to get a job, yeah. I'd be like, I don't even know what I, you got me, I don't know what to say, you got me. Like I made so many poor decisions and I didn't have social media back then, but somebody did take a picture and it happened to make the, the yearbook of a low moment in my life. You see, during homecoming week, there's something called powder puff. I don't know if y'all know powder puff. 
Powder puff is where the girls play football and the guys dress up as the cheerleaders. That's me. Not only did I, did I make a poor decision in, in my attire, somebody talked me into this game. I don't know how it happened. Hey, Dustin, I got a great idea. Hey, this is what we're going to do during the halftime show. What we're going to do is we're going to lay people on the ground and then we're just going to toss you. And we'll start with two and then we'll add a third and we'll toss you, kind of like egg toss. And what we're gonna do is see how, how many people we can get to toss. Now, here's what I learned quickly. That game is gonna end bad for me. <laughs> At some point, the game doesn't work. And I don't remember if it was like eight people, nine, I don't remember what it was. I just remember at some point, this game is gonna end bad. And here's my prayer for you. My prayer is that you would trust God like I trusted my high school buddies. And I don't know why I trusted them that much. That's my prayer for you. Keep going, verse 14. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. You see, he went bankrupt and he lost it all. And when we go bankrupt, we feel hopeless. We feel like a failure. Fear sets in, anxiety sets in. But here's the deal. Many of you have experienced bankrupt financially, but there's a lot of other forms of bankruptcy. Some of you might be experiencing relational bankruptcy right now. You're thinking, I have gone bank. Every relationship I have, I have ruined. And I'm bankrupt. I have no real friends because I've used and abused everybody close to me and I feel relationally bankrupt. Some of you, you might feel mentally bankrupt. You're like, I've made so many poor decisions that I can't even trust making a good, wise decision anymore, and you're just mentally a mess, and literally the thought of making a decision gives you anxiety. Some of you today, you're spiritually bankrupt. You're, you're kind of like some people that I've already mentioned. You're like, man, I've been so far gone, there's no way there's a God that can love me, and your, your heart and your soul is just completely empty. You're you're spiritually bankrupt and it says he began to be in need. And many of us have experienced that. Let's keep going to verse 15. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him out to his fields to feed pigs. This is an act of desperation. This man is desperate. And some of you, you like, you think, I know what you're talking about, pastor. It's deeper than what you think. I'm not talking like desperation. It's college, 1 a.m. and you're so desperate. You go to Taco Bell, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm talking like deeper desperation than that. This is a soul level desperation. Barbara Walters, a famous reporter, interviewer, she one time was interviewing Ted Turner. Ted Turner used to own the Atlanta Braves, go Braves, he used to own CNN. And um, I even heard at one time he owned the majority, over 51% of the state of Montana. So my man has money. And she said this, she asked him, what does it feel like to be wealthy? And he says, well, it's a lot like a paper bag. He said, everybody sees the bag and everybody wants the bag, but what they don't realize is that the bag is empty. He says, that's what it feels like. You're talking about a guy that literally owned a majority of one of the largest states had all this wealth, owned TBS, and he said, it's hollow, it's empty. See, he was bankrupt 
in a far greater sense than finances. He was bankrupt in his soul. Some of you, you're very successful in the eyes of the world, but you're bankrupt internally. Your heart and soul, it's like a paper bag. And, and you might be fooling some people, but you're not fooling everybody and you're not fooling God and you're not fooling yourself, which is why you go home sad and empty every night wondering if there's more. And the good news is there is. Reminds me of what Jim Carrey once said. He said, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they could see that it's not the answer. If maybe that describes you today. I got good news. Jesus says there is more. There is hope. Let's keep going. Verse 16, he says, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And then one of my favorite verses in all scripture, verse 17, when he came to his senses. Like I imagine him feeding pigs and at some point, like he's like so desperate that this is good. And at some point he goes, what, what am I doing here? Like a light bulb, like just a light bulb. He comes to his senses. Doesn't mean he's better than other people. It's just, he came to his senses. Some of you, one way, one area or another, you're just feeding pigs. And your soul is empty. And what we're praying today is that a light bulb would go off. That you would understand there is a better way. And his name is Jesus. When he came to his senses. I saw this play out in real life over the past year so beautifully. I don't know if any of you know the model and actress, famous influencer named Black China. Black China, 18 million followers on, on Instagram. She's big and only fans made millions and millions of dollars. And what she ended up saying last year is I feel like an empty bag. And so she gave all that up and she gave her life to Jesus. Last year she got baptized. Isn't that cool? Yeah, you can clap for that. You can cheer for that. She got baptized. She removed some of her tattoos because they weren't honoring God. She got rid of her plastic surgery. She, she got sober. She went to Bible college. I'm talking all this in less than a year. This was not a casual degree. This was a 180. This is a prodigal daughter that said, hey, listen, life is no longer good that way. I, ha I came to my senses. I'm doing a U-turn. And now she's a bright light to those 18 million influencers, uh, people that she's influencing. I want, I want to read to you some of the quotes that she said, and her real name is Angela White. She said this. She said, I got sick and tired of being sick and tired of the same repetitive things. I thought, let me dig deep and see what it is that I'm doing wrong, because obviously there's something I'm not doing right, even if I think I am. Sounds maybe familiar. She went on to say, now, I'm not just going by faith. I'm not even really going by like the Black China way or the Angela way. Let me just let God lead. And then she said one of my favorite new quotes. She said this, it may not be easy following Jesus, but it is better. I'm not gonna promise you an easy road, but I will introduce you to a better road. And his name is Jesus, which is why I believe in this quote from Andy Stanley, following Jesus makes your life better and makes you better at life. Why do I introduce people to Jesus? I don't think I'm better than, I just think he's gonna make their life better. And who doesn't wanna add value to other people's life? And the greatest way to add value is to introduce them to this man named Jesus that changed my life, changed millions of people. That's what we're all about as a church. That's what we're here to do today. We don't wanna force Jesus on anybody. We're just saying, hey, if you want a better way, his name is Jesus and we're gonna introduce you to him. 
Keep going. Verse 17, it says, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. You see, he did a a U-turn. Many of us, many of you maybe today, watching online, Lake County, you know you need to make a U-turn, but you won't do it out of fear because you think the moment you start going back to God, he's just gonna squash you. He's just gonna burn the church down. You, you just think all the wrath of God is gonna fall on you. All the shame and the guilt is gonna fall on you. But what you need to understand is this. It's not this, uh, the walk of shame you think it is. Fake Christianity is a powerful force of shame uh, application. Why true Christianity is a powerful force of shame removal. When you come to Christ, he's not piling on shame. He's removing the shame that you already have on you. But the enemy wants you to believe that, no, no, if you go to God, he's, he's gonna do this, this, this. And God's like, no, no, listen, I'm gonna make your life better. I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna remove that guilt, that shame with something called forgiveness, with something called grace. Some of you are like, listen, pastor, that's really nice and all for, for some of these like misdemeanor sinners. But I'm like a felony sinner. Like I'm like, I'm like really good at, at being really bad. Like you don't know me. And I would say, I don't, I I don't know you, you're you're right, but God does. And the two very important truths I, I hope you never forget. The first one is this, nobody knows you better than God. Nobody knows you better than God. He knows all about you. The second truth is this, even though he knows you better than anybody else, nobody loves you more than God. Nobody loves you more than God. That's good news. So I don't, I don't know everything. I'm just saying, I don't think you understand the depth of his grace, the depth of his kindness. Nobody knows you better than God. Nobody loves you more than God. No matter how much you may have run from God, you can't outrun God's love for you. First Peter 5, 5 and 6, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. You see, so many times we just want to fast forward to the, to the good part. But what the prodigal son's story took was humility because he had to make a U-turn. The, the, the gospel is, is not about works. There's nothing you can do to earn it, but it does require humility for you to admit that you are a sinner in need of a savior. And some of us can't, we're, some of us are caught in this arrogant crowd, that that's, that leap to over here is the hardest thing you ever do. And I'm going to challenge you today to move from over here and, and not acting like you need a savior to saying, you know what? No, I am. I'm going to humble myself. Why? Because when we humble ourselves, he lifts us up. That's what happens. And that's what's going on with this son. We'll find out. It says, so he got up and went to his father. This is so good. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him was filled with compassion for him, ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. I want to walk you through four things that took place. Let's leave this verse up. First of all, it says why he was still a long way off. I remember before I met Jesus, I was a long way off. Some of you are like, man, you don't understand. I'm, I'm a long way off. And I'll just say, my God has evil eyes. He sees you. 
And then I met Jesus and I've been following him now for a couple decades. And you know what? <laughs> I'm still a long way off. But I got a new partner and his name's Jesus. So the first thing, while he's a long way off, it says the father saw him. And what you didn't know is that God sees you. Some of you, are, you're in so low, you're like, man, I don't even think God sees me. And I just want you to know that God sees you. Even while you're a long way off, God sees you. He doesn't just see you. What happens that way? He's filled with compassion for you. Like what that means is like he cares about you. Not only does he see you, he sees you and he cares about you. His heart breaks for what breaks you. He sees you, he cares about you. The third thing is he runs to you. The, the father runs to you. This is what separates Christianity from all other religion. All the other religions are come to me, come to me, come to me. What Christianity is, is like, God, hey, listen, while you're a long way off, I'm coming to you. That's why, why God up in heaven sent his one and only son. That's why he shares a story while you're a long way off. We, he goes. That's what incarnational ministry is. While we are a long way off, God runs to us. He doesn't wait for us to clean up, grow up, or show up. He comes to us just as we are. I love that about God. Then the last thing is he throws his arms around him. This is what I want you to understand. God is not concerned, the father in this story is not concerned with the son's past. All, is he, all he's concerned about is the son's presence. You understand that? Let me, let me say that again. God is not concerned with your past. He's concerned with your presence. Like parents, like imagine your kids, whatever they did in the past, if they just said, hey, can we just sit down and hang out in the living room? You're not gonna be like, well, hey, remember what 20 years ago you did? You're gonna be like, no. Like, forget the past. Like, yes. Like, yeah, I'm your dad. I'm your mom. Of course, let's sit down. All I want is your presence. And some of you, you don't come to Christ, not because of his lack of love, because you can't comprehend that type of love. Because it's not that he hasn't forgiven you, you haven't forgiven yourself. Because he's not even thinking about it. He's not thinking about your past. He's thinking about your presence. Verse 21 keeps going. It says, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. That's called humility. So he comes, he says, I'm not, I've sinned against you. I confess. That's why I love what Ed, Ed Young Jr. says. He says this, whatever we try to cover up, God uncovers. Whatever we try to uncover, God covers up. Some of y'all are like, what? What is it? Ooh. What are we in riddles? This is Dr. Seuss, what's going on? Whatever we try to cover up, when we have sin and we try to cover it up, you know what God does? He uncovers it. But here's the cool part. Whatever we try to uncover, God covers up. You see, if we try to hide things, God's like, I see you and he pulls the sheet out. But when we come to God with humility and say, God, listen, I'm, I, I, I'm a sinner and I need you. God quickly covers it up and he forgives, and he removes the shame. This is what 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Keep going in verse 22, it says, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Bring a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. So they begin to celebrate. Why do we have inflatables? Why do we have food? Why do we want to have a party? Because that's what's happening in heaven. And we just want to do what's happening up there down here. So we're going to celebrate. We're going to party. Because someone that was lost is, is now found. And he takes three things. He takes a ring, a robe, and wreaths. 
And instead of saying those, I was saying Reese because it's three R's, okay? Stick with me. <laughs> he takes a ring, a robe, and Reese sandals. What do those things symbolize? They symbolize the inheritance. That he didn't squander the fact that he's still an heir to the father. He says, no, well, you're a long way off. Listen, you, you may have thought you ruined your inheritance on wild living, but you are still mine. And I gladly put this robe on you. I gladly put this ring to symbolize you're my boy. I gladly give you these sandals. You can't outrun my love. You can't squander it with wild living. I was born and raised here in Orlando. Went to Edgewater, as I mentioned, with three of my friends that are here today. And uh, after high school and college, I, I moved around a little bit, lived in Los Angeles for a little bit, and then lived in L.A., or I lived in LA, uh, LA and then moved to Atlanta. And about six years ago, I moved from Atlanta, Georgia, uh, to back home. And when I came home the first time to, to greet my parents, pull in the driveway, and this is what I saw. Listen, first of all, don't judge me. Y'all are like, you're a prodigal son? Like, what are you doing our, as our pastor? Like, no, I was a prodigal like 20 years ago, but everybody calm down, okay? Listen, I wasn't a prodigal. I knew my parents loved me. I didn't have a bad relationship with them. Like, I was good. But there was still something about this banner that said, welcome home, that wrecked me. There's nothing like being welcomed home from people that you love the most. And they made this sign with my name on it, my wife's name, my kids, and they said, welcome home. As a matter of fact, they're, they're in this service, and so I just want to love them and honor them. Can we thank them? Thank y'all. Listen, there's something special about a welcome home banner. Not everybody gets the privilege to have it and have awesome parents like I do and they're going to make it, but you have another banner. It's a heavenly banner. It says, welcome home, Jessica. It says, welcome home, Mark. Welcome home, Jerome. Welcome home, Kelly, Samantha. And there's nothing greater than being welcomed into an eternal home by the person that knows you the best and loves you the most. But here's the deal. That banner costs money. For my parents, it may have cost $100, I don't know, $200, maybe $10,000, I don't know, I have no idea. <laughs> that heavenly banner that said, welcome home, it cost God his son. That banner was not free. It cost God his one and only son. It cost Jesus his life. That's how come we could have a banner that says, welcome home. There was a cost to it. And Jesus gladly paid that price. He was crucified on a cross. Three days later, he conquered death once and for all, rose from the grave and, and says, I long for a relationship with anybody and everybody. That was the whole point of why he came. That's why I love what Nikki Gumbel says. He says, when Jesus died on the cross, so did your sin. When he rose from the dead, so did our hope. Romans 10, 9, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Six years ago when I came, my very first message here, I showed a video to modern day prodigal son. Some of you are like, 
I don't remember yesterday. That's good news for me, okay? <laughs> Whether you remember this video or you don't, I want to show it to you. And then I'm going to invite you to make the greatest decision you've ever made. Check this out. since we talked, I was, you know, was kind of hoping you'd answer, but um, you know, I understand you probably don't want to talk to me. I've just gone so far, and the things I've done, I, I just regret it, you know? And I know how bad I've hurt you and let you down, but, but Dad, I, I miss you. I miss how we drive around and just talk about life. And I just, I just want to come home. But I know you've probably written me off. I can't blame you, actually. Here's, here's, here's the thing. It's kind of a shot in the dark, but I'm, uh, I'm coming through town soon and I can't just show up at the front door like I used to, but but if you want to see me, just hang a small sheet out on the porch. And if the sheet isn't there, when I drive by, I'll keep going, and, and I'll try not to bother you anymore. I love you, Dad. Something's wrong with you. God's, God's love and his grace is so extravagant. 
That's the point of the video. That's the point of the story. It's just so, just so much bigger and deeper than we could ever imagine. And God's saying, welcome home. Come home. Welcome home. And when you come home, and when you have a home, you have a key. And the Romans used to wear keys as a, a status symbol because it represented wealth and security. And I thought, what a great thing for salvation to represent your newfound wealth in Christ that represents eternal security with him. And so we have these keys. It's got the logo on it and the date, today's date on the back. And I've been wearing it all week long, just praying for somebody to give it to. And then I was, I was in a store a couple days ago and someone asked me about the key. And I said, you don't want to know about this key. And they're like, no, tell us about the key. I was like, you don't want to know about it. I was just kind of bringing them in. <laughs> and they're like, tell us. I was like, all right. And I told them the, what I just unpacked it with you. And I took off the necklace and gave it to her. Her name's Vera. Hopefully she said, this service may be the next one. And so the past two days I've been wearing this one and, and maybe this one's yours. In a moment, both Lake County and, and a pop gone line, you're gonna have an opportunity to give your life to Christ for the very first time. If you've never said yes to Jesus, if you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're going to have that opportunity today. And here's, here's the deal with giving your life to Christ. A lot of people think that uh, your faith can be private. That's just not true. You could, you could have a private faith. You just can't call it Christianity because the God of the Bible, it is a very public thing. There is no private Christianity. It is public. Everything about it is about him and about other people. It is a public confession. That's why baptism is public. So what you're gonna have today, that's why the U-turn and the prodigal son, it was public. He didn't, he didn't do his whole uh, walk back during night. He said, no, I gotta publicly go back in front of everybody. And today you're gonna have an opportunity to public and publicly in front of everybody, maybe go from this side of arrogance and say, no, I'm in humility. And what all of heaven does when that happens is they celebrate what all of our church is gonna do when that happens is they're gonna celebrate. There's not gonna be shame. There's gonna be forgiveness. And so in a moment, I'm gonna give an invitation. Lake County, same thing. And if you've never given your life to Christ, if this is the very first time, you're gonna come and we're gonna give you a key and say, welcome home. And once you have a key to God's house, you're welcome forever. Here's the deal. I wanna, Lake County online, pop God, I want us to say a prayer. Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. And so there's nothing magical or special about this prayer. It's really about your posture and your heart to God. But I want us all to say it together. So if you would, everybody online, Lake County, Popka, repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. I repent of my sins and desire to begin a relationship with you. I surrender my life to you and acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. Jesus, I may not be perfect, but I am yours. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love and your mercy and your kindness. Thank you that no matter how far we've run from you, we can't outrun your love. That you welcome back
prodigal sons like myself and prodigal daughters, that we don't have to clean up, grow up or show up, that you show up in, our, in the midst of our mess. You see us, you have compassion for us. You run after us and you put your arms around us. God, I pray right now for that person that knows they need to make this decision. Lake County, online Apopka, but yet they're, they're afraid of what the people in the row are gonna think. They're afraid uh, what to do. And God, would you give them the Holy Spirit courage to make the best decision they'll ever make to know and to follow you? It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the weekly podcast from Journey Christian Church. If this message was a blessing to you, be sure to click the follow button and share it with your family and friends. For more information about Journey Christian Church, please go to journeychristian.com.